0: Mic check one two one two. 2 mic check one two one two. can you hear me? Bing bong. Am I coming through? Yes, sir. Speak easy, Black Renaissance Podcast, episode 15, Crossing the Line. Here we go. Bye- Bye- j- my name
1: is, my name 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 is, what? Excuse My name me! Is... My name is. Can I have the attention uh-huh. of the class? Uh-huh. My name For one is... second. My, name is... My English teacher wanted to flunk me in junior high. Thanks a lot. Next semester I'll be 35. Smacked him in his face with an eraser Chased him with a stapler Staple stapled his nuts to a stack of paper Walked in a strip club, had my jacket zipped off. Blast the bartender to suck my dick in a tip cup Extraterrestrial, running over pedestrians In a spaceship while they screaming at me Let's just be friends! 99% of my life I was lied to I just found out my mom does more dope than I do I told her I'd grow up to be a famous rapper Make a record about doing drugs and name it after You know you blew up when the women rush your stands. Try to touch your hands like some screaming underpants. Yeah. Scott White Castle asked for Dude, my autograph, so I signed it. few day, thanks for the support, asshole. Yeah. you never seen a white person before Jaws all on the floor Like pan, like Tommy Just burst in the door We started whooping her ass Worse than before They first were divorced Sewing her over furniture ah! It's the return of the Oh wait, no, wait You're kidding He didn't just say But I think he did, did he? And Dr. Dre said. Says- Nothing, you idiots, Dr. Dre's daddy's locked in my basement Feminist women love Eminem Chicka, him. chicka, chicka, swim shady, I'm sick of him Look at him, walking around, grabbin' his you-know-what flipping the you-know-who Yeah, but he's so cute, though Yeah, I probably got a couple of screws up in my head loose But no worse than what's going on in your parents' bedroom but Sometimes I wanna get on TV and just let loose But can't but it's cool for a for Tom Green to hump a dead moves My bum is on your lips, my bum is on your lips And if I'm lucky, you might just give it a little kiss And that's the message that we deliver to the little kids And expect them not to know what a woman's clitoris is Of course they're gonna know what by the time they hit 4th grade, they got the Discovery Channel, don't they? Ain't, we ain't nothing but mammals. Well, some of us cannibals who cut other people open like cantaloupes. But if we can hunt dead animals and antelopes, then there's no reason that a man and another man can't elope. But if you feel like I feel like I got the antidote, when you wait your pantyhose, sing the chorus, and it goes. I'm Slim Shady, yes I'm the real Shady, all you want to Slim Shady's are just imitating. So i the real Slim Shady, please stand up, please stand up, please stand up. Please stand up. I'm Slim Shady, yes, I'm the real Shady, all you want to Slim same- Guess who's back, 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 I back, 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 I back, 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 You can get your ass kicked worse than them little biscuit bastards and Moby. You can get stomped by Obie. You 36 year old boy had back clone You don't know me. You're too old. Let go. It's over. Nobody listens to techno. No, let's go. Just give me the signal. I'll be there with a hole that's full of in new insults I've been dealt. Suspenseful with a pencil. Ever since Prince turned himself into a symbol. But sometimes the shit just seems Everybody only wants to discuss me So this must mean I'm disgusting But it's just me, I'm just obscene Though I'm not the first king of controversy I am the worst things, I'm self-expressly To do black music so selfishly And use it to get myself wealthy hey, There's a concept that works Twenty million other white rappers emerge but no matter how many fish in the sea it will be so empty without me Now
0: Welcome, Speak Easy, Black Renaissance Podcast, Episode 15, Crossing the Line. Chris JB, what's good? What's going on? What's going on? How you feeling, this bro? This is my happy place. Your happy place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How the family, my brother? Everyone's well. Everyone's as well. Do what we want. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. We about to cross the line today. Crossing the line. So, yeah, um, let's get into this music discussion. Eight miles On, Marshall Mathers, Eminem. Thoughts on Eminem, Chris? Um, <clears throat> I don't. I don't. We had this discussion pre uh, pre production. Why, why isn't he one of the top producers? I'm not saying he top five, but why 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 doesn't he make that? Okay, so that? all right, so here's I guess the hot take, right? Um, I normally get killed for this unpopular hip hop opinion. I do not think Eminem is a top 10 lyricist of all time. I don't. Okay. So definitely not top five. I said that, but not even top 10. I do not think he's top 10, right? Um, I think Eminem is overrated. Um, and here's what I mean by that. Um, first of all, when we have any type of top 10 discussion, like just consider for one second how many rappers there are in the world. Like, not even just considering all of the ones that we hear about, that we know about. Like, every block in the hood, everybody was a rap. Like, so, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody rapped. Yeah. Everyone had, you know, formed a little group with their cousins or their friends from around the block or something like that. Everybody had their own little verses here and there. Yeah. Right? So, like, talking about the top ten ever of people that rhymed words, come on, like, we're nitpicking. We obviously didn't they say top 5, top ten, like, they're not literally saying he's in the top It's like a category. Like, uh, oh, he could be considered a top 5, or he could be considered a top 10, but not necessarily that he is. Well, sure, right? Yeah. And I mean, all of this is highly opinionated, and I think a lot of times we be having these GOAT discussions and these top 10 discussions. Motherfuckers be having like 25 people in a top 10, really. Um But I think my point yeah, about yeah. Eminem Yes, he's obviously a great lyricist, like he is a phenomenal rhymer of words and just like the way, um, like creatively, the way he broke and bended syllables in a very unorthodox way and still did it to um, so many different rhythmic vocal flows. Oh, no, no, he he's definitely, come on, like, I'm not hating on, I'm saying... I don't think he's in the top ten. He's definitely not in my top ten. And I guess the elephant in the room, per se, is I think he often gets thrown into the top ten off the strength of him being white. Um, Let me elaborate on that a little bit more. Bro, bro I'm so sorry. Before you elaborate on that, remember I um definition of a rapper from a couple of episodes back? Does he get that definition? Um... And this is where I think it gets complicated and this is where because I think the gr- the great rappers are the ones that are talking catchy slang, hood vernacular um to rhythmic beats. And the way that's enticing, that loops you in, right? Um and frankly, I don't know because like shit, I don't know the slang of m ms kind of suburban, kind of trailer park, kind of in proximity to the black urban environment slang. I- I'm not familiar with it. Not enough to seriously, I think, make a any type of substantial cultural critique. But lyrically, I can tell you what he's doing with the syllables of the English language is very complex and sophisticated. And worthy of praise, 100%. I just think that it's almost blasphemy to say he's not in the top 10 or some shit like that. Because he was, he's a white rapper. Because I think he's undoubtedly the greatest, most accomplished, most creative, most artistic white rapper in mainstream pop culture ever. Right? He gets thrusted into a different stratosphere. It's just like his whiteness gave him access to Mainstream markets in a way that is generally not afforded to black artists. Mm. And I think that contributes to his legacy. Yeah. I think that contributes to him being slightly overrated. Mm. Especially when we start talking about top ten conversations of all time. Right. It's like the, the whiteness helps. The whiteness helps just off the strength of because it's a black genre of music. Yeah. Creatively, he's able to access and tap into a social privilege that we just don't have. And by its very nature, makes his art unique in a particular way. Makes it more, I think, accessible and appealing, yeah, to a demographic which carries the social privilege that black people can't approximate. Mm. Do you think that we've become hip to it, and which is why there hasn't really been a, another successful great rapper? I think that, no, I, one, I, th- I think there are I think they have been successful white rappers since Eminem, but not, or like, like not to his level, no. Yeah. And frankly, um, creatively as a lyricist, I don't think we've seen anything close to him from a white rapper either. And I think, yeah, like, let's give the man his flowers. Like, let's not shit on him. Right? Um, have we gotten hit to it? I yeah, think, as in, like, we realized, what was going on? So it's, it was kind of like, regarded the door a little, a little better. And I say that uh, because of, um, you know, some of the lyrics that he put in one of his songs, um, that was without me. Okay, so, um, yeah, I think Eminem, I would say, reached his creative peak. And and his debut around, like, he's a, you know, mid to late 90s rapper. You know? And obviously, if we're thinking about the social standards that we have for black people today, you look back at his lyrics, and it's clear that he crossed the line on multiple occasions. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So let's talk specifically about black people, right? Oh, um, that last track we played, "Without Me." First of all, I love the horn line on that song. It's and this is like it's kind of always an awkward feeling listening to Eminem because yo, know, the shit sounds gentrified almost. Like the horn on the track sounds artificial. Speak on that. Right, like, like seriously, it 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 sounds like I can hear the cultural appropriation happening in the vibrations of the instruments. It just don't sound like something's not. It's like off. It's like there's raisins in my potato salad. Like I don't. Oh, <laughs> um, but anyway, but I still, but the, but it's still enticing somehow. The horn line is still so enticing, right? Well, so anyway, that without me track, right? Oh. Um, which is great lyricism, which I think is great rapping. Uh He has this line in there where he, he, basically, I feel like he cops to cultural appropriation and makes a parody and a pun of black creativity perpetually being exploited generationally in Western civilization's social context of America. He says... So I'm not the first, no, though I'm not the first king of controversy, I am the worst thing since Elvis Presley to do black music so selfishly and use it to get myself wealthy. Hey, there's a concept that works. 20 million other white rappers emerge, right? So it's, how the fuck is that not off limits? Absolutely. Like, how is Eminem not canceled for some shit like that? Like, you got the fucking audacity to come into our cultural creative space with your excellent lyricism and catchy rhymes and catchy flows, take our shit and make the mockery of people that look like you getting wealthy off of our shit, Mm -hmm. and it slaps. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a pop hit in American culture. Yeah. Like playing in kids' rooms and ears all across yeah, the country. And this motherfucker's just killing, talking about, yeah, I'm caking yeah, off y'all shit. So I agree 100%, but, and that is like my that's take. crossing the line. Yeah, that's 100%. crossing the line. I agree with it 100%, and that is my take completely. But let's make it interesting for them. What if he wasn't trying to do that? And he was more so trying to play out his person because, you know, the reputation that he gets for. Appropriating black music. What if it was him, his way of making fun of Elvis Presley and, uh, supporting the, the, the narrative of, you appropriated it. Elvis is trash? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, and, and see, and this is the beauty of great art, right? It could be both. He could be doing both. It's like, yeah, Elvis is trash. Yeah. But I'm, just as bad as him. Yeah. Well, I, I'm at least the worst thing to come along since him. Yes. Though I'm not the first king of controversy, I am the worst thing. Since Elvis Presley. Yeah. But, like, that's a slap. That's a hit. Yeah. And then I find it interesting that um shit like that is okay. I think there were times when he, um, in my humble opinion cross the line with lgbtq peoples and lgbtq communities as well like on the, uh, the track we played the uh, my name is right that was i think his debut single right ah uh, my name is yeah that was his debut. yeah that was his debut single i think that was like what 97 98 right so uh um, we stream our music And the uncensored version of that song can't be found on any of the major streaming platforms. Like, I got a Spotify subscription, I got Apple, I got Tidal, can't find it nowhere. I think you can't find it on YouTube, but the uncensored version you can't find on any of the streaming platforms, right? They basically canceled some of the inflammatory lyrics aimed at LGBTQ folks. Because he crossed the line, right? They got rid of him, right? So, Chris, what's the lyrics? How does it play on the streaming platforms? On the streaming platforms? Yeah. They play as... Which is still marked explicit, right? The song is still marked explicit, but they edited the lyrics. Yeah, what's the lyrics for the second verse? The one about the English teacher. Edit, edit, edit. My English teacher wanted to punch me in junior high. Thanks a lot. Next semester I'll be 35. All right, pause right there. Pause, pause. That's not the original lyrics. Because my brother had the original uncensored Slim Shady LP. On the CD before the screening. And the original lyrics were. My English teacher wanted to have sex in junior high. The only problem is. My English teacher is a guy. Right. So I guess if, you know. If the English teacher was a woman, the pedophilia would have been okay. Mm. But because he's a guy, it's a problem. Right. So the problem is not having sex, adults having sex with children. The problem is. Man having sex with boy. Mm. But that's cool. Oh, no, 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 that's not cool. We cancel that. Right. And then he goes on to promote violence because the problem is man having sex with boy, right? So it's, I slapped him in his face with an eraser, chased him with a stapler, stapled his, to the stack of paper, right? So, so it's like you can't have those combination of lyrics playing throughout streaming airwaves in 2021 because that crosses the line. And I think rightfully so, right? It's like, I feel like this is a blatant, uh, you know, correlation of violence with LGBTQ bodies and LGBTQ sexuality. And it's like, bro, chill. Chill. I think, I I think I'll make the transition here to to Dave Chappelle specifically because We're talking, right now we're talking about this is okay, this joke is okay, or these words are okay, but because it's this, it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I'll I'll do it specifically by bringing up uh, Dave Chakala and the baby. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely want to be sure to mention that I feel the Eminem lyrics cross the line because of how prevalent of a social issue violence aimed at LGBTQ communities is. Mm -hmm. Like, seriously. And not only do we have a problem of people inflicting external violence on LGBTQ bodies for whatever motivations, right? We also have a problem of a completely preventable problem, in my opinion, of alarming rates of LGBTQ bodies uh, inflicting harm on themselves. And I can only imagine that this is a response to the social ridicule, social pressure. and social oppression, uh, that we constantly place on our LGBTQ kids. Right? Like, uh, and I think the point of the lyrics crossing the line is b- because of th- this alarming preventable violence and folks, we're not making this stuff up. Like Google, the statistics of violence against LGBTQ communities, it's alarming. Um Anyone that has any type of genuine care for humanity, I don't think should be doing anything, including putting out art that may even be loosely correlated with that type of senseless violence, completely unnecessary, yeah, crossing the line, no no, go, no, go. crossing the line. And at the same time though, and here's where it's going to get messy. Where y'all might feel I'm crossing the line. And if y'all do, folks like seriously, especially on this episode uh, which was ridiculously difficult to prepare for because yeah. we're talking about some shit because like, we a bunch of straight black men. Uh, I don't give a fuck how educated and how smart I think I am. I'm talking about some shit that like I low key don't really know about, and I'll never really fully know about, uh, because it's not my story. But I'm talking about it, uh, humbly in a trying to in a constructive way because I feel like us not talking about these issues, uh, and that's it. Right it's right fueling the problem. And that's it right there. Like it's difficult to talk about it. We, we may not feel like we have the proper quote and Deadass. Bodies, but, Deadass. Uh, it has to be right, amazing. I am not an expert on this shit by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just spitballing ideas, hoping that some type of positivity specifically for black people emerges well,
1: this um, should be the from this type of conversation,
0: me. so yes, please, please, folks. This is definitely the episode, if any, if you've never communicated any type of feedback with us before, please provide it on this episode because. We definitely need it. With that said, after everything we said about like the Eminem lyrics crossing the line with regards to violence towards LGBTQ communities, right? I think it's very odd. No, it's not odd, right? Because it's almost normal at this point, because this is how society typically operates. It's normal for them. His lyrics get somewhat canceled or edited out or. In some ways, they're trying to delete it from the pages of history, or at least the history of airwaves, the lyrics that are inflammatory towards LGBTQ peoples, and rightfully so. He makes a clown joke about black people consistently being socially exploited for white people's financial uplift, and like that's just cool, all right. Keep it pushing. Keep it pushing. And it's like, yes, a few things, right? Let's just be perfectly clear. We should not be in the business of running the oppression Olympics. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, comparing struggles in a way that's not productive, where we get into this tit-for-tat, like, who got it worse? Like, we don't need to be doing that. And at the same time, we can be honest with ourselves. And notice how it often feels for black people how um, society in general, which is dominated by whiteness, tends to prioritize, you know, various struggles for social liberty and social liberation often at the expense of black people's quest for social liberation. And we notice it. We notice it. Mm -hmm. Especially when these various quests for social liberation you can put um, white people at the center. Quick book plug. Cornel West's um, groundbreaking text, Race Matters. When he's making comments on black sexuality, he says something towards the end of. White society has such a difficult time dealing with black sexuality it treats it as such a taboo topic because black sexuality Um, And I could be wrong, I might be misremembering this, but I think he says something about specifically black sexuality amongst black people independent of whiteness. It's like it's one of the few things in life that Western civilization can't centralize whiteness. So it's like it's a it's a place, it's a moment that whiteness can't dominate. So it's always a threat to um, the order of things. So it's like when various quests for social liberation, which we should be doing, right? When those movements, when those struggles can still place whiteness at the center, we tend to take those things more seriously collectively as a society. And that's the fucking problem. Yes. And it's like, it it, it seems to come out in everything we do, including fighting for the justice and liberation of oppressed people. Yeah. It's fucking wild. Like, this whiteness shit has such a stronghold on us that it's like, even when we try to be righteous... Evil is right there beside us. Yeah. Yeah. And we since we crossing the line this episode, we gotta bring it up, right? Dave Chappelle, the closer. Did he cross the line? Did Dave Chappelle cross the line with the closer? Um okay, so again, feedback episode, please bring all the feedback. I'll be okay, I ain't I'm not I do not I'm not part of the LGBTQ plus community.
1: Let me Uh, preface
0: that. I I would like to preface it also with you. um, And I'm saying that because I just want to be respectful of making it abundantly clear that this is a outsider in some respects. Speaking on some things that I may never live. Absolutely. And, you know, more so for me, because, specifically because I felt like he didn't cross the line. Okay, well, I feel like he did. And the reason why I feel like he crossed the line was similar to the critique I have of Eminem, right? It's the social senseless violence that happens to LGBTQ bodies consistently across the board in this country is fucking wild. And the tragedy of it is I feel like it's completely preventable. If we were not, as a people, constantly making it abundantly clear that our standards say these people are not normal. Like you're a fucking problem. And it always comes out in just like like just think again. I I don't live this, but just things that I tend to notice. It just always comes out as a constant reminder that they're a problem because of their gender, because of their sexuality, because they are taboo, because they don't fit the norm of what Western civilization says the ideal human should be. Well, I I know we're not trying to run the oppression Olympics. But copy and paste to black people, which is something that we can speak on. Sure, sure. Um, that, everything you just said, <laughs> yeah, you know, could be applied to yeah, yeah, to just being black until that point, right? It's I notice that's how we deal with LGBTQ people in civilization, for the most part. Right? Oh, shit. Here we go. We're about to get in trouble, bro. <laughs> just do it, bro. Like, We're about to I get think, in I trouble. I think we fully ourselves. Man. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, right. It's, be, even be bad, in that, bro. right? Even in that, even in that, the fact of the matter is. Okay, no. Finish the Chappelle critique. It's we should not be doing anything that's contributing to the fear the panic and the anxiety that i'm pretty sure overcomes lgbtq people anytime that they have a allegi- that they have reason to feel threatened Like, when it's being made abundantly clear to them in those moments that they're a problem. Like, we should not be wanting anyone to feel that way. Like, that's disgusting, it's gross, it feels horrible. Because I'm sure, like, we've all felt some semblance of that as being human. Like, why the fuck would you ever want to wish that or inflict that on anyone? Because those are the type of things that I can imagine may w- make wa- make people want to do harm to themselves. And it's completely preventable, right? And then I think doubling down on it and you the copy and paste about it being black, the suicide rates and the rates of violence amongst black LGBTQs people is even more astronomical when compared to non-black counterparts, right? So it's, as black people, why do we want to do things like this to other black people? And that's why I feel like, yeah, Chappelle crossed the line. Because some of the jokes, a lot of the commentary was, again, blatant correlation of violence towards LGBTQ bodies. And then that, yeah, I think he crossed the line, for sure. Thoughts, bro? Why do, you- why do you- no, 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 no no. It, it, no, no, you're not off the hook like that. You said you think he did not cross the line, so you, you gotta. No, no, because of why it's actually that question as to why he didn't cross the line because we all know what he was doing. He crossed the line on purpose and he crossed it on purpose because of the forgotten race. And I understand all the, t- the statistics that you gave on suicide, but. Again, copy and paste. Are we just going to forget what's happening to black people as a whole on a daily basis? Unless us so, in there's statistics. Okay, so a few things, right? And this is where I guess things get complicated, things get messy, but it's like, yo, we got to do more than one thing at a time. Both not only just in thought, but in feeling and action as well. We can do more than one thing at a time. Like, come on, like we multitask seriously. Like we multitask all the time as people, right? Especially black people. Like, come on, we we, we stay multitasking. We got to. we black in America. We got to multitask, right? So it's, we really got to realize when we think about black people, how many black people are LGBTQ people? You're making it complicated, bro. Of course I'm making it complicated because life is complicated. Black life in white dominated civilization is complicated. I think I think I can give you a good example. The Raiders coach John Gooden has <laughs> clearly a a string of explicit emails. Sure. That whoever decides to expose it decides exposing with first what the, the race related emails you know, first race, is that what happened? Yeah. And what? They talk about suspension? Yeah. So with and, the Gruden thing, so for the listeners that are unaware, um John Gruden, football coach in the NFL, another overrated white man, um, who got his claim to fame from winning a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers off of the roster and the professional culture built by the Black Hall of Famer, Tony Dungy, who coached Peyton Manning for years, right? So Dungy built up Tampa's culture, which was shit before he got there, built up their roster, which wasn't that great before he got there. They fire him because they feel like he underachieved in the playoffs. Gruden comes in the next year, white man, mediocre white man. Wins a Super Bowl, and he's a legend now. He retires for a few years, gets a great job at ESPN, making money. Um, before he goes to the Raiders, got a $100 million contract. There's a concept that works. Um, another white man getting wealthy off of black people's shit. So Gruden goes to the Washington football team, which was named after a slur at the time. Um. And the Washington football team is being investigated for all types of misogyny and things like that. And some email surface of Grooting saying some racial slurs. Or saying some insensitive comments about black people. Mm -hmm. And nothing. Well, they, they were discussing. Um possible suspensions, and definitely some fines, right? D- discussing possible yeah. suspensions. Yeah. And then when it comes out, the investigation continues that there's a clear trend of anti-LGBTQ and anti-women sentiments. He gets fired from his current job with the Raiders from no some discussion. emails that happened 10 years ago. No discussion, no possible... And and, 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 and so here's the thing where it gets messy, right? Because I'm not saying that Gruden shouldn't have been relieved of his duties. Because it's like, yes, he shouldn't have said those things. Like, you're trash. Like, not only you're trash for saying those things, you're trash for... Like, that's really what you think of people. And it's like, people having these type of sentiments... Towards black people, towards LGBTQ people, towards women, right? It's those that type of like those type of feelings and sentiments get normalized and accepted socially. And I know like, it's a big leap for a lot of people to understand and stuff like that. But yeah, eventually those type of sentiments often do lead to violence. Speak on that. So like brooding should be fired for like it's like, yeah, those type of things, those type of sentiments shouldn't be normalized in any type of environment. So, yeah, get rid of this dude. I think it's not only just a bad optic because like we've seen multiple, like it happens all the time in society, right? It's like when people cross the line, particularly when white people cross the line with black people and black suffering and black oppression, they get slaps on the wrist, if that. Well, we could, let's bring up the baby, even when black people do. Black baby walks into a Walmart and kills a black person. <laughs> nothing happens. Okay, okay. Um. In his, All well, okay. I, so You're I don't know the detail. Listen, I don't know the details of that alleged shooting. So I'm not going to comment too much on the details of it, Um. What I will say is, yeah, that was one of those things in the baby's history that kind of, I felt like, especially as he was coming up, when you know he had the shook song, uh, packing the Mill go, I'm doing the alone, that joint. Um, it was something I had heard about, but it was kind of like, okay, boom, keep it pushing. It definitely didn't impact anyway his rise to stardom. And anyway. Right? Not, not like, either. the baby was arguably the biggest hip hop artist in the world, right? It probably helped him. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's like, yo, this nigga got street cut. He killed the nigga, like, and it's fucked up, but like, we know shit like that in hip hop sells. Right? Like, violent black death sells in hip hop. So, boom, help him get to superstar. He crossed the line with LGBTQ communities. And they 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 legit was like yo they they you you talk about canceling someone yo this mf was canceled from every single festival like they was really trying to like starve him let me not say starve I don't want to make a mockery but they, they was really trying to take his music career for sure and it's because like he crossed the line with the wrong ones. And the truth of the matter is, and again, it's like, here's the uncomfortable, right? The truth of the matter is, when you're talking about the social liberation of LGBTQ peoples, whiteness can still be placed at the center of that. In thought, in feeling, and in action. So, yeah, when you cross the line with whiteness it typically responds violently towards blackness. Even as we're fighting for the liberation of LGBTQ people. And it's like, here's the thing. No one is saying that you shouldn't hold people accountable, particularly black people accountable for crossing the line with LGBTQ peoples and for black people, specifically black heterosexual men. It's like a lot of us, to some degree, for a lot of different reasons, like, yeah, we take pride in, or I think we should be taking pride of being protectors of our people and of our communities. Like, these are social norms. That are rooted in our people going back thousands of years. Black men being protectors of our families, of our distant relatives, of our villages, right? So many black people are LGBTQ. Like, that's not groundbreaking news. Like, we can't be claiming or taking pride in protecting ourselves if we are even in a roundabout way contributing to the violence of ourselves. Like, you can't be pro-black and anti-LGBTQ. You can't. You can't. Right? Do you feel like these people is anti-LGBTQ? I definitely agree with members of the LGBTQ community that think that some of his jokes crossed the line with them. 100%. And I think he should be held accountable to that. Like, he started off the... Con- um... At least he started off with his comments on the baby by holding the baby accountable. Hop into to the point. No, the, yeah, the baby crossed the line. That wasn't cool. He like, shit, I'm a comedian. I get paid to joke on shit. I've gotten in the hot water with LGBTQ people, and bro, you were fucking wild. And then you know what he also did? And here's a point that we made on one of the um the um, speakeasy shorts with my boy Mike from YDS. Like black people, if we ever going to get free and jumping back to our original renaissance theme, our theme of black religion being anything that's about black freedom in the here and now black people, if we ever going to get free, when other black people fuck up, we are going to have to show them extraordinary expressions of grace. So what Dave Chappelle did was we tell the baby, yo, you fucked up. Also realizing like, yo, fam, this is a 22-year-old kid. Yo, you know all of the dumb shit I said when I was fucking 22? And and, that, and that's not making an excuse for it. It's empathizing with what it means to be human. like, bro, yo, a lot of us done fucked up in ways that if we really We're held accountable in the way that we should have been. Oh, yeah, 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 y'all want to get into that. Right? So it's like, yes, the kid screwed up 100%. That's not okay. And you damn sure can't be doing things like this moving forward. We're not going to cancel you for this. We're not going to, like, try to stop you from getting money, like, ruin your career type. No, we're going to educate you on this. Not okay. So, yeah, I think Dave Chappelle needs to be open to that type of critical feedback, 100%. 100%. And at the same time, because we're dealing with this with nuance, right, he crossed the line on purpose. Purpose. Yeah. Like, he deliberately, not only do I think he crossed the line, I think he thinks he crossed the line. And he did it on purpose. like, shit, yo, he warmed up to crossing the line with LGBTQ peoples by doing what many would consider crossing the line with Jewish people. He crossed the line with everybody. He crossed the line with, with Jewish people. He crossed the line with... Uh, but Jewish it's like, people. It, and it's they like mean, the way he designed... Like the Asian part? It, 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 right, and it's like, this is the brilliance of the comedy, right? Because it's like the way he designed the material, it's like he was revving it up. It was kind of like he was tiptoeing on the line, gradually, seeing how far he could take you, and then it was like, well, here we go. What did everybody focus on? He's getting the most heat for his obvious inflammatory comments about LGBTQ peoples. And that is not that what he's going to Yes. I think absolutely it's fun. It's when you express, when you cross the line, however it may be, in word, in action, in lyrics, in music, in comedy, when you cross the line with LGBTQ people and their social quest for liberation, there are swift and immediate social repercussions. With John Gooden... Baby with baby. Dave Chappelle. But what about with Eminem's lyrics? That was can, can you say that was super stuff? Because how many people you think know about those original words? No. Um, can't imagine too many. But yeah, the point is, it's like when you cross the line with LGBTQ people, there's hell to pay, and rightfully so. I think Chappelle's point is, when the fuck are y'all going to afford black people that same level of social dignity? He didn't cross the line because that's what it was for him, but everyone decided to pay attention to everything else. And it's like, I feel it's important to, because this is one of the tropes that um, a lot of I hear um a lot of black men perpetuate, like, this idea about, oh, there's this gay agenda to force the LGBTQ lifestyle on black people, and it's like, one, cut it out, that's bullshit, it's like, LGBTQ, LGBTQ people have been around for thousands of years, that's one, like, seriously, so, it, it, like, stop, just stop that, right, it's... They've always been amongst us. They've always been our family. They've always been our friends and our cousins and our neighbors. Seriously, it's part of the social liberation is just starting to get um, representation and exposure in mainstream media, and rightfully so. And that. Is not, that has not been normal for most of us. So, yeah, that's going to, you know, create some type of social shock. And I'll come back to the social shock thing, uh, towards the end. Um, but it's like, that's something that's like, like, really, like, get the fuck over it. It's no gay agenda. It's like, like, they're seeing themselves represented in life. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you want to talk about the copy and paste. It's like white people complaining about blacks black superheroes. And we out here doing the same shit. So like that's one of those like low hanging fruit things. That's like running the oppression Olympics low key, which we shouldn't be doing, right? Um, and then at the same time it's if we're going to be honest with ourselves, even as we are fighting for the liberation of LGBTQ communities, similar to a, like Eminem giving great art, right? Because there's whiteness there, there's access to a certain level of Social privilege, social wealth, social sentiment that black folks just don't have. And that shit matters. And it's like, low-key, you want to talk about crossing the line. It feels like... Um, A lot of times I've seen it happen. I've seen it with this in personal friendships. I've seen it happen in professional friendships where it's like, um, how do I want to put this? LGBTQ inclusion almost becomes a sort of benchmark in white liberal institutions, especially like in regards to black people, to see if you are the right kind of black person for the space. What do I mean by that? There's sometimes I've gotten the feeling or I've spoken with other black people About them getting the feeling that in certain spaces, they're working through some of their social tension with the fact that LGBTQ inclusion was not normalized for them in their social context and their socialization. Working through some of that tension in various relationships. And like a lot of times what could have been used as teaching moments. Let me just put it out there like this. Um, LGBTQ inclusion gets weaponized as a form of anti-blackness. It's like using the social struggle for LGBTQ oppression as a way to promote social oppression on a black person or black people collectively. And it's like a really taboo topic that a lot of us are afraid to discuss. And Chappelle not only just as a comedian, um, but as a black man, crossed the line venturing into a, I think, which is a very necessary and important social criticism if black people are ever going to get free. Like, seriously, I think it's like we owe it to ourselves. If we if we take seriously um us trying to redefine black religion as anything that's pro-black freedom. Yeah, we have to deal with the fact that a lot of times LGBTQ inclusion is being used as a weapon against black social progression. Even if it's not being done intentionally. Sometimes it feels like it's being done intentionally, though. And it's like, these are the things that we need to be cognizant and need to be aware of. I think what everything you just described about the weaponization was right on target. And again, you know, bringing me back to Dave Chappelle is, again, that was his point. That is why he crossed the line. He did it on purpose, and it was to make sure that it was to make sure that we aren't forgetting about what's going on with all Black people, specifically racism. And I think the messed up part about it is, yes, let's hold Dave Chappelle accountable for crossing the line. But we can multitask, right? Let's also deal with the fact that. He brought up a topic of conversation that is a very uncomfortable, messy, and nasty truth. And, like, his point is like, yeah, it's obvious, right? Like, LGBTQ folk can be racist, duh. He said that. But it's like, let's really consider that when we are doing social coalition building towards the end of liberating oppressed people. When we are coming together. And talking about constructive ways to deal with the social tension between LGBTQ groups and peoples being marginalized and black peoples being marginalized. Like, how does the white racism show up in these spaces? And when it does show up, are we open to receiving criticism and open to moving differently to avoid such uncomfortable interactions and potential violence moving forward? Are we open to that? And it's like, unfortunately, many of us, I haven't seen too many, um, broke that area of conversation. And Chappelle has been doing it consistently for a while now. Hence the closing. We did it in Detroit, too. About two hours. (laughs) <laughs> Can we bring up the I I think it follows with everything that we're saying now. When he mentions You know, I, I I've been doing this for years, I've been doing this forever. And just when I have up you and just when I have you up against the ropes, you say well, now you have to call me a woman. I don't think I want to go there, man. <laughs> I just felt like it wouldn't be perfect, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't think I want to go there. Yeah, Shit, I, I ain't trying to cross the line too much. <laughs> and it's, it's just like it's real convenient that. It just seems like all of the focus is on the accountability aspect of Dave Chappelle. When I think if we can be committed to doing more than one thing at a time faithfully for the sake of black social liberation. We also need to be having constructive conversations, one amongst black people. And yes, this obviously includes and probably needs to centralize black LGBTQ people. They probably need to be leading these conversations if they're ready and willing. And we need to be open to taking criticism and feedback from them. And even when it creates social tension and anxiety for us because they may be leading us in ways that we're unfamiliar or uncomfortable with, yeah, we probably need to yield to their expertise when it comes to leading these kinds of conversations. But the conversation needs to be, yeah, How is the white racism showing up in LGBTQ spaces? How is that working against our social upliftment as black people? We need to address these things. And I think one of them is we're seeing it play out in real time. Mm -hmm. People are going out of their way, busting their ass to hold Dave Chappelle accountable for crossing the line. I think rightfully so. Sure. Okay, we also need to deal with the fact that, hey, we're noticing that the racism is still real here. Even as we're doing this. Can we do, can we, can we stop? Can we stop? Like, really, let's stop. All right, folks, this is Speak Easy, Black Renaissance Podcast. I am your host, Quadri Harris, a.k.a. the modern Duke Ellington. I'm here with my brother, Chris JB. This is episode 15, Crossing the Line. Okay, so we are going to end today's episode with a piece. It's an instrumental version of a song called Lush Life uh, by your brother. Lush Let's speak. Life. Lush um, brother, rest in peace by the name of Billy Strayhorn. Billy Strayhorn was a brilliant jazz piano player and composer that ended up being a protege and eventually a creative partner and co-collaborator with Duke Ellington. Um, I think he most famously collaborated with Duke Ellington on Take the A-Train which is one of uh, Elton's most popular pieces, right? Um, but Strayhorn, I think in many ways, his career didn't pop the way it probably should have because he was immensely talented because he was gay. And it was kind of like, it seemed like um, based on some of the things I've read, that that was kind of like a, a, the taboo topic that they just kind of tried to keep under wraps. And he probably stayed under Ellington's wing as a form of protection, because it was like just where society was at that time. It wasn't as open and affirming as we are today, obviously, even still with having um, a long ways to go, right? Um, but yeah, this is Lush Life. Um, it's It's a brilliant piano piece, and there are some dope lyrics behind it as well, where the, um, lyricist is talking about a, a failed romance that occurred. And kind of just how, like, you gotta get over it. And continue to live and continue to, um, find, like, joy, beauty, and meaning in life to keep on living. Right? So, yeah, we, we, we spoke a lot about, um, violence towards LGBTQ communities on this episode. So I want to, um, uh, yeah, dedicate this song by Billy Strayhorn, lush life to all of our, uh, family, friends, and kin. out that are black and LGBTQ. Uh, yeah, just know that like one, we love you on this podcast. And if we ever say anything or do anything that, uh, rubs you the wrong way or offends you, uh, we'll, we'll try to be open to the feedback and we'll try to be open to learning to be better people. Uh, cause yeah. it's necessary. Cause it's please, necessary. Please. Yeah. Please, please. Uh, and not only just to make this podcast better, but to try to help make better people as well. So, um, here's Lush Life by Billy Strayhorn.